Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 3, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. John the B. The Bible tells us that he was the greatest that ever lived. Keep your finger right here in chapter 3. Turn with me four chapters. Come go with me to chapter 7. Look at chapter 7. Look at chapter 7. Look at verse 28. Chapter 7, verse 28. Love to hear the sound of pages turning. Chapter 7, verse 28. If you're looking at it, say amen. amen. For I say to you, this is Jesus talking. For I say to you, among those born of women, that there is not a greater prophet than who? John the Baptist. But he, now watch this, he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. That is amazing. You mean to tell me, this is what Jesus said, The least in the kingdom, we're talking about the kingdom, the least in the kingdom, that would be the universal church, not the least at Calvary Chapel. Tell me you knew that. The least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. You know, I really believe that statement makes the devil tremble. I really believe that. Every born-again believer in this room is greater than the greatest prophet who ever lived. And listen, Satan is hoping that you don't realize that. Every born-again believer in this room, the saints who got saved last week, y'all might be here right now, I don't know. You are greater than the greatest prophet Whoever lived, according to Jesus. And the reason, listen, the reason you are greater than the greatest prophet who ever lived is because, listen, because of the clarity of the message, write that down. Because of the clarity of the message, what do you mean, Rodney? Well, listen, John would point and say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We know that later he was imprisoned and we know that he was beheaded. But the believer today, we can say with surety and clarity that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the one that the prophets prophesied about. He is the Messiah. That makes us greater because we've had the privilege to witness and bear testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Are you with me? We've witnessed the testimony of the resurrection. And because we know, according to Scripture, 
that Jesus actually rose from the grave, that makes us greater than the greatest prophet. Now listen, don't get the big head. You know, I guess some of y'all thinking now, I'm greater than the greatest prophet. I'm great. We get, your head gets so big, we can't get you out that door. Don't get the big head now because to understand something, your greatness comes because you are in the great one. You are in Christ. Your greatness comes because you are a believer. And also understand with great knowledge comes great accountability. I'm going to say that again in case you were asleep. With great knowledge comes great accountability. Do you know coming to church is dangerous? No, I'm going to go to church. It's Sunday morning. I'm going to go to church. I've been going to church all my life. Really? Well, let me tell you something. Coming to church can be dangerous. Don't misunderstand me. I ain't trying to clear the building. Some of y'all are ready to run. I'm like, <laughs> Coming to church can be dangerous. And here's why. Because when you hear the word of God, then God expects you to do what you have learned. God expects you to obey his word. And when you don't obey his word, to whom much is given, much is required. So when you don't obey his word, you're being disobedient to God's word, you're in sin. The more you know about God, the more God holds you accountable for that which you know. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? God holds you accountable. That's why some people are like, oh, I know, I know the word of God. I know the whole word of God. I know everything the Bible has to say. I read the Bible front and back. I know the Bible. Really? Well, let me ask you, how much of the Bible do you do? Don't just talk the talk because that's what God's looking for. God's not looking for people who have a whole lot of Bible knowledge. If you know one verse, you be a doer of that one verse. Because God will hold you accountable to that which you know. And if you know little, then you do what you know. Coming to church can be a very dangerous thing. So we are greater than Satan and, 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 and greater than, 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 than John the Baptist. And Satan doesn't want you to realize that. You know, so many people come and they tell me, oh, pastor, I'm so unworthy. I'm so unworthy. Pastor, I'm so unworthy. I tell them, really? Yeah, I know. I'm unworthy too. We're all unworthy. But thank God that we don't get saved based on our worthiness. Because if we got saved based on our worthiness, would nobody be here right now? Y'all say amen again. We're not saved based on our worthiness. Oh, I'm so worthy. I'm so unworthy. Some people, you know, you're sort of self-loathing. I'm so unworthy. Oh, I'm so low. I'm so unworthy. I'm so low. I play wall ball with the curb. I'm so low. I'm so low. Oh, I'm so low. Yeah, real. Tell me something you I don't know. And tell God something that he doesn't know. He knows you're so low. That's why he sent his son low, so he can lift you up. I'll wait. He knows that. You know, Satan wants you to be holding on to your unworthy past. Hmm. He wants you to be holding on to your unworthy. Some people think they can't be used of God because they're unworthy. Yeah, you can't. No, you are unworthy. But you know what? You have to to let go of that unworthy past in order to grab hold of the future. And I'm going to tell you something. If you get nothing else I'm telling you, listen to me. I'm just trying to help you. You can't grab hold of the future unless you let go of the past. You got to get hands free. 
Are you with me? You got to get hands free. I'm letting go of the past. Paul said, forgetting those things behind and reaching forward to the things ahead. I press toward the mark of the high call. If anybody knew anything about unworthiness, it would be Paul the apostle, my brother. Yes, sir. Killing Christians, men, women, and children, hauling them off to jail and killing them. And on the road to Damascus, God, by his grace, stepped in and saved him. And now Paul is known as the apostle of grace. And now Paul's message is God can save anybody. And you need to say a better amen than that. Notice in verse three, the word of God, go ahead and look at it. The word of God came to John the Baptist. And then I love this. God releases him on the nation. And he came into the region all around Jordan, preaching a baptism to repentance for the remission of sins. Now, the interesting thing is, listen, the religious Jew in the day of Jesus, are you listening? Believe that a Gentile convert to Judaism needed to be baptized for the remission of sins because Jewish people looked at Gentile people as they were unclean. And the Jews practiced ablution. That literally means ritual washings. But John the Baptist, listen, is calling the whole nation dirty. He's calling the whole nation unclean. And he is saying everybody, Jew, Gentile, Protestant, Catholic, Pharisee, Sadducee, every Jew in the nation, John says you all need to be baptized. And when John said that, listen, the people were shocked. Really? Look at verse seven. Look at verse seven. Then he said to the multitude that came out to be baptized by him, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, he says, bear fruits of repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. And so the people asked him saying, what shall we do? And he answered and said to them, he who has two tunics or shirts, let him give to him who has none. And he who has no food, let him give some food. And then the tax collectors in verse 12, are you with me? Who also came to be baptized. And they said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said, collect no more than what is appointed to you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him saying, and what shall we do? And he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. Well, now as the people were in expectation, and all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered and said, listen, don't get this twisted. I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal straps I'm not even worthy to loose. And it's him. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And his winnowing fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn and the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. 
And with many other exhortations, he preached to the people. But in verse 19, Herod the Tetrarch, being rebuked by John concerning this woman named Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, also said this, above all, that John should be shut up in prison. Saints, give me your attention. So when you put the gospels together, we learn that there are people coming from all over. And John is standing there in a leather girdle. The religious people get jealous because they see everybody going to John. So they go down to see what's going on. And when they get there, John points his finger and he says, brood of vipers. These are Pharisees. These are Sadducees. It's possible that maybe some of the priests came. What's going on? This John guy's getting all these folks coming to be baptized. What's happening? And they all show up in all their religious garb looking all holy. And John looks at him and says, brood of vipers. Well, that's a greeting. Now, if you read Matthew chapter 12, there was a man, get this, there was a man who was demon-possessed. Jesus healed him and delivered him. And some people said Jesus was the son of David. And some folks said Jesus was the son of Satan. And then Jesus, get this, he starts calling them names. And he said, brood of vipers. You know, doesn't that just mess up your whole Sunday school Jesus thing? See, y'all used to think Jesus was all nice and he never said bad things to anyone. Jesus was just a nice, loving guy. Sound like Michael Jackson, doesn't it? <laughs> Jesus was just a nice, loving person. Let me tell you something. Jesus will call your name. Yes, he would. Y'all ain't got to say amen, but it's true. Read your Bible. Jesus looked at him and said, brood of vipers. Now, I like John the Baptist. When I get to heaven, listen, I want to meet, well, of course I want to meet Jesus. I mean, if you leave here and you don't meet Jesus, you're in the wrong place. Let's just, somebody wave at me and say, I'm a witness. You know what I'm talking about. You're in the hot place. And AC ain't going to help you. Okay. So when I get to heaven, I want to meet Jesus. I want to meet uh, Paul. I want to meet Isaiah. And I want to meet John the Baptist. I love John the Baptist. One of the reasons I like John the Baptist is because he's original. I like original people. John the Baptist is an original guy. I mean, he's original even in his fashion sense. The guy wore a camel hair Armani suit. That is original. I'm trying to give this, the clothing a name, so I figured that would be good. I mean, he's original in his food that he eats, his diet. It's all protein. He eats locusts. The guy is original. And he's original because he hadn't read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. John, here's what I like about John. John was a preacher who didn't fear men. 
John's message wasn't seeker friendly at all. It was repent, you brood of vipers. And when he preached it, he didn't care what people thought. Listen, preacher. Preacher, listen. If you care what people think about your message, you best get out of ministry right away. Run for the hills. You cannot be a preacher of the word of God and care what people think about what you're saying. I praise God. God freed Pastor Rodney up from that a long time ago. I, don't misunderstand me. Please don't get me wrong. I love y'all. But I do not really concern myself with what you think about what I say about the word of God. If I'm wrong about something, please, by all means, get your Bible. I'll get mine. Let's sit down. You show me scripturally where I'm wrong. I repent. Come back the next Sunday and tell the folk I was wrong. But in terms of being, you know, some folks go to the pulpit. They're afraid to go offend them. I don't want to offend these people. And I want to say this because I might offend them. And I don't want to say that because I might offend them. And I might, oh, I don't want to offend them. Oh, they're big givers. I don't want to offend them. Let me tell you something. If you get offended... Don't shoot the messenger. I didn't write this. I did not write this book. Let me tell you, if Pastor Rodney would have wrote it, it would have been a whole different thing. Because I'd have said, listen, you don't believe in me, you got one shot. And you don't give your life to me, you're out. I'm going to burn you up. Y'all know I don't play. I ain't got time for this. But see, that's why we know God's a gracious God. Clap your hands for the Lord. Would you do that? That's why we know God's gracious. That's why we know, that's why we know, that's why we know this book is inspired by God. Because there's patience in here. There's love in here. There's grace in here. There's mercy in here. I'm going to keep going and y'all say amen. There's grace and mercy, love, patience, goodness, long-suffering, there's all that in here. And very little of that in here. God wrote this book. And I, as a preacher, have to be careful preachers that we are not giving people our opinions versus giving them the word of God. And that is why, honestly, listen to me, I'm on this tangent. We might as well just go down this lane. Okay, we already down the lane. Let's keep going. I believe that is why people don't want to come to church because when they come to church, all they get is a bunch of opinion. I believe if you teach the word of God and you don't compromise and you don't worry about what people think about your message, you just stay true to the B-I-B-L-E. God will bless people. God will speak to people. Very little of your opinion, more of the word of God. Huh? My opinion, so what? So don't believe a word I tell you. Let me tell you that. I've told you that before. Don't believe a word I tell you. Listen, don't believe a word I tell you. I said that first service. My wife is sitting back there. She said, amen. <laughs> She's sitting right back there where you sitting now. I just bought you a new dress yesterday, and you're going to act like that in church? All right, it's like that, huh? I just bought a new dress, Madeline, yesterday. Hey, man, pastor, preach. She, she just carried on. I was, don't believe a word I say. The Bible says, search the scriptures to see if these things are so. You have a responsibility to read the Bible. You have a responsibility to study the Bible. You don't just come to church, listen to preach, and go, oh, yeah, well, must be right. He said it. 
No, you need to study the word of God. John wasn't afraid to just tell people, you need to repent of your sins. You need to turn to Jesus. All these people coming from all over the place. You put the stories together, they're coming from all over Jerusalem and the Galilee is big. And they're traveling to see John and they get there. And the first thing John says is, you brood of vipers, it'd be like you coming to church on Sunday morning. I say, good morning. Happy you're here, you brood of vipers. You den of thieves. Sinners. Enjoy the service. You'll be like, man, I ain't coming back to that church. Danny Downer. <laughs> well, look at verse 8. We got to move forward. Look at verse 8. John, he, he, John He says, we need to bear fruits worthy of repentance. And he says, don't say, are you looking at verse eight? Don't say Abraham's our father because God can raise up children from a pile of stones. And John says, and don't think to say, oh, we're Jews. Abraham's our father. We don't need to repent from our sins. John says, bring forth fruits worthy of repentance and don't trust in your background. I'll share this with you really quickly. Don't trust in your church background. You know, some folks think, you know, I was raised in church. My mom was in church. My mom's a Christian. My daddy was a preacher. Listen, somebody once said, God don't have no grandkids, only sons and daughters. Don't trust in your church background. John said, you see that tree, verse 9, you see that tree. Every tree that doesn't bear fruit will have an ax laid to its root and it will be thrown in the fire. Now, what do you call a tree that doesn't bear fruit? Firewood. Firewood. And listen, you might not get it, but the people do because they ask in verse 10, what shall we do? They're asking, how do we show this life of repentance? And John gives a very practical teaching on what repentance looks like. He says, listen, repentance has a face. John says, you want to see what a repentant life looks like? It's practical. Number one, you have two shirts, take one of them and give it to someone who doesn't have a shirt. You have some food, give some food to someone who doesn't have any. And notice John's message, saints, look at verse 12. John's message was so powerful that even the IRS came out to hear it. Now you know you preach him when the IRS show up. The tax collectors, look, it's right there in the Bible. The tax collectors came... They came to be baptized. The tax collectors showed up and they said, what do we need to do? And John said, don't take any more than what was appointed. Don't take any more than what was appointed. We need to tell that to Washington. Don't take any. Somebody say amen. Amen. Don't take any more than what's appointed. Leave me something, please. Then the soldier showed up and said, what do we need to do? And he said, don't beat people down and accuse people falsely, and be content with the money that you have. And John's message was so powerful, people are standing there scratching their heads and thinking, is this God the Messiah or not? And John says, no, don't get it wrong. In verse 16, I'm not the Messiah. As a matter of fact, the Messiah is so great, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. I'm baptizing with water, John says, but there's one who is coming later who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Saints, listen, this is not Pentecostal fire. You know, some people say, well, this is Pat- we're going to be baptized with Pentecostal fire. 
Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came down on their heads with fire on their heads. I'm like, the Holy Spirit didn't come on their heads with fire on their heads. The Bible didn't tell us anybody's hair was on fire. The Holy Spirit came down and fire, your hair would be on fire, duh. It says the Holy Spirit descended in cloven tongues as of fire. Hello. So what are we talking about here? Well, John is talking about the judgment of God. You write that down. That Jesus will come and baptize with fire and that will purify and it will destroy. How do we know we're talking about judgment? Because verse 17 tells us that. His winnowing fan is in his hand. And that speaks of judgment. And then finally in verse 19 through 20, John is so bold that he rebuked Herod the Tetrarch concerning Herodias, who was married to Philip the Tetrarch of Ituria. And she left him and she married his brother Herod Antipas. Herodias was the daughter of a man named Aristobulus and a great granddaughter get this, of Herod the Great. Anyone in Herod's family is all messed up. This is like a first century soap opera here. This, Herod's family is like Jerry Springer stuff. It's craziness. And, 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 and what I like about John, John wasn't thinking, oh, well, you know, this is an important person. I better not say anything to them. I better only tell them nice things. John didn't care. John said, listen, what you are doing is wrong. It's unlawful. It's an unlawful divorce. It's sin and it's wrong. And of course, he got thrown in prison. You know that. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.